Welcome to the Christian Faith Fellowship Church podcast. We are a church that believes in praying, going, and life-changing discipleship in Jesus. We are so glad you joined in for this message. If you enjoy what you hear, follow us to stay connected with our future updates and podcasts. Here is all about Jesus. Grab a Bible and a notebook and get ready to learn. Here we go. Amen. Good word, Scott. Good word. Hello, everybody. How you doing today? Uh-oh. Everybody stayed out in the rain. How you guys doing today? There's my family I know and love. What a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord, right? Under a nice dry roof, air conditioning on. Yeah, I don't know about anybody else, but I walked out the door this morning. I said, oh, the temperature doesn't look bad. And I stepped through the door and I went, oh, my goodness, I just moved into Florida. What happened? I stepped back in, closed the door, but then I had to come to church. So it took a little encouragement. Anyway, uh, Pastor asked me to share this message today and share a message today. And I wanted to, I'm not going to do what he's been doing, but I want to teach you something today. So I hope you really brought your Bible, a notebook, pad, pen, whatever, pencil. If not, you can always kind of bite the end of your finger, write blood, it's good. Um, But I really want you to catch what I'm teaching today. It's all about Jesus. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. There is no place that you can look as pastors teaching us book by book by book and not find Jesus in the Bible. Nowhere. And so I want to give you a little bit of reference and a little something to work with here. And the Holy Spirit's really been working with this as I've been studying it and for years. But more so, it seems like he's trying to teach us things if we're really seeking him. So I really pray you get this message today. And I've got subtitles in my message and all that, but I've got more scriptures than I can really share. But... I'm an overachiever sometimes, so bear with me. All right, so always was is the subtitle for this section. John 1.1 in the Amplified Bible, in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. I want you to catch that because Many people have a hard time with this thought, and I'm one of them. I've thought about this, I've pondered this, I've meditated on it, and I've really studied it out. Before the beginning, God always was. Well, how could he be before the beginning? Because there's no time in God, okay? Anybody do what I do a lot of times, walk out on a beautiful, sunny bright, clear day, or a beautiful, clear night, and just, and on a really beautiful day or night, you stand there, and the thought goes through your mind, I can see forever. No, you can't. You can only see as far as your eyes are capable of taking in, because everything that we're attached to is finite. It has a beginning and it has an ending. It's not everlasting except our spirit in Christ. So what happens is in the beginning, before time even began, Christ always was. Why is that so significant? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, you got that? That's Christ. That's not Jesus. Even though Jesus is the Christ, that was the Christ. That was the godliness of Jesus. That was the God side of him that he took off to relate to us. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, 
in the New Living Translation, Christ is the the visible image of the invisible God. Remember, no man has seen God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Now, I'm going to give you an example. This beautiful facility, this wonderful building, was created first in somebody's mind. Then they drew it on paper and had it all drawn out and planned out, and then they gave the plans to a bunch of builders, electricians, um, air conditioning, heating people, and from that came what we see now. But this was invisible before it became visible. You getting that? Okay. God had a plan. He had plans in his mind. He spoke them to the Holy Spirit and his son, and his son made everything that we can see. Now, I got to tell you something that I really love about the creation story. On the seventh day, God rested. I don't think that meant he took a nap because he was tired. What I think it was, was him, his son, and the Holy Spirit coming together and saying, that's awesome. Now let's see what our children are going to do and what we can do to make things work out according to plan. Because how many people know we're the snag in the whole plan? Okay? We're the ones who, no matter when we mean to do something right, we still come up short. But we have a mediator. We have somebody who's still working And now he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, to work in us, to get us to that place where God can really use us more. I hope you're getting that. And then my next subtitle, The Light. I love this one. Genesis 1, 1 through 5 in the New King James says, In the beginning, remember we just discussed that, in the beginning, okay, that's time beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, And the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And then John 8, 12, in Brandy's favorite translation, the Passion. Then Jesus spoke to them, his disciples again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, I want to say something to you, and I want to give you a little relation to this, all right? I can remember a time in my life where there was darkness everywhere I went. I could find darkness. I didn't have a problem finding darkness because there was no light in me, so I didn't want the real me to be revealed. So it was better to hang out in the darkness, Have you ever noticed that places of sin are very dark? That way, 
nobody really recognizes who you are or what you're doing. But yet, when the light comes alive in you, when Jesus comes into you and that light starts to show, you know, it's really funny. I can't find darkness anymore. Even when I'm in my house, in my bedroom at night, and I'm one of those kind of people, I've got to have a dark room to sleep well. And I turn everything out, I turn everything off, and I've got blinds on the windows, the whole works. And you know what? There's still light. I can't outrun the light anymore. Why? Because the light of life came to live in me. Now, it's funny because God said he made the light for the day and the dark for the night. But how many people know there's still light at night? Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a fact. Pastor Tom thinks I never study anything about space. I do. I'm not a real Trekkie, but I like the original Star Trek. But a fact, the moon has no light of itself None. It's a rock. That's really what it is. It's up there, hanging there. It has a lot of purpose behind it, but it's just itself. But the night when the moon is full, it's at the perfect location to reflect the entire sun. That's why you have a full moon. Then when the seasons start to change, the sun and the moon kind of rotate away from each other, and you get a three-quarter moon, a half moon, a sliver moon, and no moon, because the sun has been hidden from it by the earth. Yet we always have light. What Jesus call us? The light of the earth, Right? We're the light of the world. Why are we the light of the world? Because we're reflecting him. It's not us. We don't have light in us. But it's his reflection in us shining out to others. You know, one of the greatest compliments I ever heard, I just got it a couple of weeks ago at the one nursing home where I go, and this little old lady who really never says much of anything, she looks up at me at the end of the, the service I was doing. She goes, I see Jesus in you. And all of a sudden the tears come, the whole works, and I just went, glory to God. Hallelujah. Because she didn't see me. She saw Jesus through me. I am not Jesus. I am not claiming to be. The Bible is very clear about that. When people claim that, be careful because they're off. Okay? I am not Jesus. But you know what? Each and every one of us should be his reflection. People should be looking at us and saying, I see Jesus. Okay, that's who we're supposed to be. Why? Because he gave us the light. In Psalm 119 and 105, in the New King James Version, it says, your word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's the tie-in with that? In the beginning was the Word. And now it's saying your Word is a lamp under my feet, a light under my path. Why? Jesus walks with me. If you really want to get it in a natural thing, he's standing there with the brightest flashlight you could ever find following around behind you saying, I got your path lit. I'll show you where to go. And that's what he's doing. That's what we need to get into. That's why studying the word, digging in it is so important. Because you start to recharge that light in you again. And Hebrews 13, verse 8 in the Passion Translation again. My subtitle for this one is, Never Changes. Jesus the anointed one is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. 
He has never once changed. Now, I have to stop here because I'm going to give you another little lesson. Okay? How many know that Christ is not the last name of Jesus? Okay? I hear all the time people saying, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, okay, and do you know what that means? No. That's his name. No, it's not. Jesus is his name. It's his humanity. If he has a last name, it's Am. Am. A-M. How'd you come to that, Brother Bob? Well, when God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go, Moses looked at him and said, who do I say sent me? I am that I am. And if God am, Jesus am. As we were singing that song a little while ago, and I got to that place where I am a child of God. I was like, that's right, because I am said so. I am a child of God. And that's why I look at it that way. Jesus am. Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. It's his godliness. It's his deity. It's who he took off that when we stand before him one day, we'll never be able to say, yeah, but I'm human, you're not, and you never understood. Jesus was 100% man. Christ is 100% God. And when Jesus came here, he came here to show us what the scripture I read before said, the invisible God that no one has ever seen until we look at Jesus. That's cool stuff. Not for anything, but boy, when I'm, when I'm going into these kind of lessons, I'm like, yeah, this is ramping up. This is really getting something going here. It's got my juices flowing. Okay, I'm one of those kind of Christians. I'm that fanatic that everybody talks about. I don't go to football games and paint numbers and pictures all over myself. I just stand there and go, I'm just going to be a fanatic for Jesus. I'm going to show him to the world. I'm going to tell the world about him. And, you know, this is the whole thing about this. I want you to understand something. Why is it important for us to see the true nature of the invisible God? I'm going to tell you. I'll give you the answer. I'm not going to leave you hang. When I was a little kid, until I was an adult, I knew about the invisible God. I knew about him because I had been told about him. I'd seen his picture. It took me getting born again to show me that the picture I saw wasn't him. Because the pictures that I saw of God were always this angry old man with a beard who was sitting on a throne with a look on his face like, go ahead, mess up one more time. I got you. And it took me 40 years. It took me BCC to get alive. No, that is not blind carbon copy for those computer literate people. That is before Christ and Cindy. Because my wife is the reason I got born again. Okay? And once she came into my life and she made me come to church, she didn't make me. She just said, if you want to go out with me, you got to come to church. And I'm like, all right, hands down. I can do this. And I came to church. And you know who I met? I met Jesus. Who let me know that he'd been waiting for me. Not to get me. To get me. To pull me in and hold me. When the scripture in Romans 5.8 came alive in my heart, 
I sat and cried like a little baby because I'd been told he was an angry God. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you that you could have eternal life. Wait a minute, where'd that come from? I never heard that before. But when I heard it, it got something going in me that I couldn't get enough of. Was like, where'd that love come from? Whoa, wait a minute. Let's find this out. Let's really dig into it. You know what I found out? I'm loving pastor's teaching because it's what I found. Going into the Bible and going from Genesis to Revelation. You know what I can't find? I can't find an angry God. I found love. And it all points at Jesus. Everything. The whole thing points to Jesus. And I'm like, I want this. I want this for me. I want this in my heart. I want it in my children's heart, my grandchildren's heart, my great-grandchildren's heart. I want that. I want to put that in others' hearts. That way we're not wondering. Because I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of years wondering, God, do you really exist? God, do you really care? God, do you really love me? Know what I found out? Yes, 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 and more yeses. That's what I found out. And then, our bread and sufficiency. In Luke 11.3, again in the Passion Translation, and give us our needed bread for the coming day. That's the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our bread. Well, yeah, but where does that tie in with Jesus? Glad you asked that. In John 6, 32 through 35, again in the Passion Translation, the truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. Remember manna? But Moses didn't give it to him. Moses just passed on the message. It was God that gave it. It's my father who offers bread that comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give us his life to feed the world. Then please, sir, the disciples said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry Believe in me, and you will never be thirsty. Did you see how he began that part of the verse? I am. Isn't it amazing that that's all through there? I am. Jesus is identifying himself. I am. Remember what the Father said? I am that I am. Now, Jesus is just saying what he's seen his Father say. He's repeating what he's heard from him. I am the bread of life. I am the one who provides. I'll tell you, it just excites me more and more. And then my next one, the healer. <clears throat> this amazes me that God didn't change from the very beginning to the very end of the Bible. I actually was listening to somebody one day on a podcast who got to a certain point, and boy, he'd had all kinds of great messages I listened to, and I deleted his podcast that day because he said, oh, we all know that healing passed away with the disciples. Click, delete. Not in my Bible. Can't find it. It started in Exodus. Chapter 15, that's when God actually stated it. That's where Jehovah Rapha comes from. I am the Lord that heals thee. Exodus 15, 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, 
Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I want you to understand something, okay? This was the beginning of the healing covenant, but it was under the old covenant, so it was conditional. It wasn't carte blanche. It was conditional. Well, what was the condition? Got to listen to it. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought. If you, if you, But we don't live in the old covenant. That's why many times, yes, I will use old covenant scriptures, such as this one, such as Isaiah. By his stripes you are healed. That's future tense. What Brandy brought out during prayer time, when she said 1 Peter 2.24, That's one of my favorite healing scriptures to pray over people. Why? Because it finishes with, by whose stripes you were healed. Wait a minute, that's past tense, is it not? You know what that means? When they put Jesus up there, his stripes had already been born, and my healing was already delivered. I am healed you. In 1 Peter 2.24, it was no longer prophetic and it was no longer conditional for a believer. The one condition. You have to be a believer to be a partaker of the covenant. Why? Tom, can I use you for an example? Okay. If a relative of Tom's passes away and leaves a will and testament, do I have the right to go into the lawyer's office and sit down and expect my inheritance? He's not related to me. He's not my brother. See, that's the condition. Now, as a believer, here's the other part of God's grace. As a believer... I can pray for an unbeliever, and God graciously can heal that person if they will receive the glory of God. But most unbelievers are unbelievers. In other words, the glory can come right up like it did with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, And do a mighty miracle and literally slap them in the face. And they'll be like, well, that was a great coincidence. That doesn't mean God won't heal them. It just means that they won't see his glory. And they won't receive the fullness that we as a believer are entitled to. Does that make sense? Okay. The other part about it is, and I want to read this to you. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, and when Jesus went into Peter's house in Capernaum, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and served him. When evening came, they brought him many who were under the power of demons, and he cast out the evil spirits with a word, and restored to health all who were sick, exhibiting his authority as Messiah, so that he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities upon himself and carried away our diseases. With a touch, Jesus did this, and a word. Okay, I have people that call me up on the phone and they go, oh, Brother Bob, can you pray for, with me? And I go, yes, I'll pray with you, absolutely. Am I able to lay my hands on them? 
Not always. But with a word, they can be healed. If they believe. If they stand in faith. When I pray for people for healing, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. When I pray for people for healing, when I say amen, I count it as done. I don't embarrass people if they come up and ask me a couple weeks later to pray again. But in my, in my spiritual mind, I'm standing there looking at them going, this was done two weeks ago. If you agree, then it'll be done. Well, give me an example. Okay, I'll use me. A few years ago for National Day of Prayer. I'm at the National Day of Prayer, and I love Brandy. Brandy is so sweet to me. She takes good care of me. She watches out for me. And she kept walking up to me because she knew something was going on with my body. And she's like, you're starting to turn colors. You're yellow. I know, I'm almost done. When I get done, I'll go get taken care of. We got a little closer to the end, and she comes up and she goes, you are turning gray. And I'm like, just keep praying. I'll be okay. I finished the whole thing. I got in my car. I drove myself to the hospital where they checked me all out, and the next morning they took what was left of my gallbladder out because it had burst. Hang on. Remember what I said about healing? Okay. We need to use the natural side sometimes, but trust God for the God side. The doctor stood there, and he comes in the room, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, this is bad. I go, really? He goes, oh, yeah. He says, you're going to be on major antibiotics for at least six weeks before all that poison's out of your system. I go, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. You took care of the natural. God will do the rest. Four days later, I go to my doctor. The doctor does blood tests. He looks at me and goes, there is no infection anywhere in your body. I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, that's because my God, I am your healer. Okay. I knew I was pushing the envelope, but I also knew what God had put on my heart. So I was able to fulfill the mission, then do the natural, and then let the supernatural take place. Here's the other thing. There's many times when we pray, even me, and I don't see the manifestation even in my own body immediately. What are we supposed to do? Glorify God and thank him until it comes through. Why? It's already done. It just hasn't manifested yet. That's all. Many times what takes place in the supernatural, we don't see right away. But we have to hold on and we have to stand fast. In Matthew 4... 25, or 23 to 25, Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the province of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, preaching the wonderful news of the kingdom and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. His fame spread throughout all Syria. Many people who were there or who were in pain and suffering with every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics, and those tormented by demonic powers were all set free. Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. This resulted in massive crowds of people, as we can only imagine, following him, including people from Galilee, Jerusalem, the land of Judah, and the region of the ten cities known as the Decapolis and beyond the Jordan River. What amazes me is soon after that, Jesus goes into his own hometown where he could do no mighty works. Why? Because of unbelief. That's why it's so imperative 
no matter what you see, to reinforce what you believe, what you're trusting God for. Why is that? Because the devil comes immediately to steal it from you. Oh, I'm healed whole and complete. (coughs) Oh, man, I guess I'm not. Devil just won, if you think that. You know what? (laughs) I coughed. Big deal. I'm healed. I'm done. I'm finished. I got amazed during this whole COVID thing because I have this little thing called hay fever. Runny eyes, sneezes, the whole work. I was in a store when we were all still masked. And all this, I got my mask on, and there's a lady next to me shopping, and I turn around, I had just mowed the lawn the night before, and I'm standing there, and I turn around, and I sneeze. Oh, my God, you've got COVID. No, lady, I got hay fever. Give me a break, would you? And she's like, what? And I said, I just mowed the lawn. Every time I mow the lawn, I sneeze for at least a week. Get over it. And she's like, really? Yeah, no fever, no chills, no shakes, no weakness, just a sneeze, runny eyes, runny nose. I blow my nose, and it'll go away. Oh, well, okay. It's like, give me a break. And then Jesus is our promise keeper. Oh, do I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 in the Passion Translation. For all of God's promises. How many of his promises? All. All, okay. Of God's promises find their yes and fulfillment in him. And as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. Why is that scripture paramount? Because what I just told you about healing, whether you see it or not, keep bringing the glory to God. How? Amen. It's done. Amen. I'm healed. Amen. I'm whole. Amen. I'm complete. Why? As we glorify him, he'll make sure the promise is finished. He wants his promise fulfilled in us. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you healthy. He wants to see you prospered. He wants to see your families rejoined and reunited. That's what he wants to see. He desires that. That's why he made the promises he made. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is the case with God. Gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says... To his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why does it point to one child? The child is Christ. Why? Okay. The Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant were a covenant cut between God and man. What did I say before? Who's the failing point in that covenant? Man. But the covenant with the child 
the promised one, the Messiah, was between God and Christ. Who's Christ? God. It was God making covenant with himself. There's no failing point. He took the failure out of the covenant. And he made that covenant with himself. How much better a covenant is that than what they had in the old covenant? And I hear people sit there and go, well, I just don't know if that's part of my covenant. It's part of your covenant. Why? You're a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. As I just used with Tom. If Tom's an heir and somebody in his family passes and leaves a will, whatever they leave in that will, he's going to inherit. Okay. Who died on that cross? And what will did he give us? He gave us the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. That's the will of God. That's the will that he fulfilled in himself. He didn't do away with the old covenant. He fulfilled the old covenant and then said, now I'm going to give you a better covenant with better promises. Yeah, but that's a great promise. But what if it doesn't come real? It can't not. He's the one who did it. It's got nothing to do with us other than Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Accept me as I am. Don't leave me as I am. Receive me unto yourself and fill me. Done. Covenant child. Then we can sing that song for real. I am a child of God. Why? I am said so. And salvation deliverer, I love this scripture too. John 3, 14 through 17, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's a scripture that spoke back to what I shared a little while ago about the way I used to view God. He didn't come into the world to judge me. Wait, where'd that come from? Oh my goodness, he didn't judge me, he saved me. I don't know about you, but if you save somebody, it's really hard to judge them. It really is. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, but God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved each and every one of us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. That scripture just really chokes me up because I think what God did for us before the beginning. I believe before the beginning was when he looked at Jesus, at the Christ, and said, 
I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be so hard for you to accomplish. I believe that. I believe that in all my heart. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 in the Passion Translation, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face-to-face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Did you notice it said we continually have a forgiving Redeemer? In other words, you can't out-sin His redemption. Don't try, but you can't do it. (laughs) And then the beginning and the end. Revelation 1 Verses 4 through 8 in New King James. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his glory. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, and even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn before because of him. And even so, amen. I am the Alpha, And the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then he is the rewarder. Revelation 22, 12 through 17. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. And I got to stop there for just a moment. Who's his reward? Oh, come on. Who's his reward? We are the believers. We are his reward. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. In other words, darkness. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And who is the water of life? Jesus. He said that to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He said, if you had this water, you would never thirst. That's awesome. That's awesome. You cannot read the Bible and not find Jesus if you're seeking. And I pray you got something out of this, and I encourage you a little bit. And I tried to boost up what Pastor was doing, and I just tried to come alongside of it and give you a little more meat to work with with it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this time. I thank you for you. Lord, when I look at your love, when I look at your mercy, when I look at your grace, when I look at your glory, I want more. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Lord, I'm thirsty for more of you. I want more living water. Lord, I want more light. 
And I thank you, Lord, that I'm in a church that's filled with people with a heart like mine. We don't want to just know about you. We want to know you. And I thank you for that. I thank you for each and every one. And now, I don't want to ever close the service without doing this. If there's anyone here or anyone on the Internet that you don't know the Jesus that I just talked about and you want him in your heart, then I'm going to ask you to pray a very simple prayer and repeat after me. And the Bible declares that if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. So if you would just repeat this with me, and we're all going to pray this together. Bow your heads, close your eyes, if you would. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, repeat this after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. Lord Jesus, accept me. Bring me to yourself, but don't leave me the way I am. Change me. Mold me. Grow me into your image. Fill me with your light with your life and with the water of life. And I praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time or you've prayed it before but you just haven't been living it, you're struggling, then would you be so bold is to raise your hand and let us see it. We have altar workers here in the sanctuary who want to give you a packet to help you on your walk, and we want to help you. And along with that, if you're on the Internet and you prayed that prayer, if you would just email me, revbob at cffchurch.org, I will make sure you get that packet. So is there anyone here at all? Anyone? All right, we've got one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Right now, because of that hand being raised, and you can look up, because of that hand being raised, there is a celebration going on in heaven in our sister's great, great, great joy that has come to the heart of the Lord. There is a celebration on her behalf. And now I just want to bless you and close the service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I pray that he blesses you exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. I thank you, Lord, that you have made your people the head, not the tail. And Father, I thank you for watching over them, protect their households, their cars, and themselves as they're traveling around and in the middle of the storm. Father, we command the storm to break, and we thank you for the glorious day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. And yes, I changed up the blessing, but it's my birthday, and I can if I want to. 